Morning. 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 Uh, I just want to begin by sitting under God's word. And in Matthew 22, it says this. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, as Jez has said this morning, I, I just want to talk to you from a place of uh, a pastoral burden I feel God has placed on my heart. Um, I'm not teaching from a specific scripture or book in the Bible, as Jez often does. And as Jez has already said, you'll be extremely glad to know that I'm not going to be sitting here and singing with a guitar like John did so well last week. I, just, I found that really, it was wonderful. Um, but I, I am speaking from the Bible and what it says about the love of God, our identity, love of people, and the truth that we are so loved by Jesus. And so I've titled this talk, Jesus Would Go. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a journey with Jesus. And as a man and a father, a husband, a friend, I've got a few. I have a responsibility to provide for my wife and Connie and my three kids. And I have to pay the mortgage, as you all do. We have to pay bills, we have to provide food, we have to pay for a long list of things. And I don't have a job, but please don't feel that I'm fishing. I'm not. I'm just telling you this from a place of honesty. I'm telling you this from a place of vulnerability, but also from a place of watch what God is going to do. And the reason I'm telling you this uh, is along this journey, I've had highs and lows thinking about our situation. Uh, feeling, feeling anxiety rising, stress, pressure, the build-up, not sleeping, how it affects Connie and the kids. And on many occasions, but just recently, Jesus reminded me to look up, to keep looking at him and all he has done and all he is doing. Looking to Jesus brings a real sense of peace, assurance, hope, instead of focusing on myself and my situation. He reminded me he's my first love. Not family, not work, not my situation, not church, not stuff, but him. And this got me thinking about my life. Who am I? What am I here for? Who am I here for? Good questions to ask. And I was really, really lost. And now I'm really, really found. Jesus loved me where I was, and he still loves me where I am. And the day I met Jesus changed my life in an incredible way. And when I often look back and think, who would I be now if I didn't know Jesus? I dread to think. It, it just scares me. But Jesus is someone who I can talk to, have a personal relationship with, cry with, someone I know who loves me for who I am. God saved me through a woman contending with heaven in prayer like a dog with a bone. That was my praying mother. She was full of God. And you would rather have your worst enemy against you than a praying mother. And the reality is that probably 65% of you here are here because of your praying mothers. It's not because praying mothers have more weight when they call out to God in heaven. God doesn't say, ah, it's another mother praying. Let's answer that one. That's rubbish. He doesn't say that. But there is something about mothers 
They won't allow a wolf to take their son or daughter. They fight. But let's just, just want to take a moment and pray for mothers. Yeah, Lord, I just thank you for praying mothers. I thank you that they fight. I thank you that they never give up. I thank you this morning you're wanting to say to those mothers who are feeling desperate, don't give up, keep fighting, because I answer prayers. I'm the one who answers prayers. Keep talking to me. Keep your focus on me. Don't look at your children's situation. Know that I am God in their situation. Amen. God loves people, and you're living proof of that because you're sitting here. And the most honorable and best thing for me and for you in this world is to adore and love Jesus. There's nothing greater than loving God. And as we've already heard in Matthew 22, it says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the Passion Translation puts it this way. Jesus answered him, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that, was within you, that is within you. We need to proclaim him. We need to tell people about Jesus. And if we didn't proclaim him, it would be worthless. We are the ones who know how beautiful, amazing, incredible he is. We have to proclaim the gospel and tell others about him. And it starts with a simple decision you make in your heart. We need to stop the disqualification language in our heads. That's right, the, the, the disqualification language. People say things like, I'm an introvert. I can't do that. <laughs> I use that one myself. We place ourselves in boxes that Jesus never did. You start to disqualify the anointing on you, the lion that lives inside you. When I first met Connie, <laughs> this is embarrassing. When I first met Connie, I used to love football, and I had... When you say it out loud in front of lots of people, I had a, I had a, uh, an A4 pad of paper, uh, and on that A4 pad of paper, I would write down the football score, the attendance, who scored, when they scored, just every detail. I could tell you the, statist the statistics throughout the whole season. I didn't even have to look at it in the end, you know. And I had a passion, I had a boldness for my football team, and I would claim how great they are. Follow them. I was a football evangelist. And one of my friend's wives, who lives in the US, she's part of a company that sells health supplements. She travels around the world, boldly proclaiming, these will change your life, with a knowledge and a passion to go with it. She's a health product evangelist. Football has a place, health products have a place. I'm not saying that. But they don't have a place above Jesus, not above our first love. And we all have a story to tell. You have a story to tell. I have a story to tell. But watch God move people when you do. When my neighbor noticed the difference in me when I had changed and given my life to Jesus, and she said to my mum, what's up with him? She told our neighbor my story. And just through the weeks that followed, she gave her life to Jesus because there's power in Jesus' stories. And it's got nothing to do with our personality, nothing at all. It has to do with our preference, not our personality. And the enemy has worked hard to create a disqualification language. A disqualification language to make sure Jesus doesn't come out of everybody, but just out of some people. And I honestly believe that times are changing and God is on the move.
It's not, we, it's not because we're commanded to. <laughs> I love Jesus so much. He saved me. He gave me this amazing new life. I can't help but talk about him. He's my passion, my everything, my all. He's my calling. He's my life. I love him, and he loves me. And as far as I'm aware, nowhere in the Bible have I seen anyone put their personality up against God and say, I can't do that, Lord, because that's not who I am. No. God tells you who you are, and we're going to get to that bit in a minute. And I used to tell myself, I'm an introvert. What's an introvert? Well, looking it up, it says a shy and reticent person. But it's not a word that we see in the Bible. So yeah, I used to tell myself I'm an introvert. I listened to the lies about who I was in comparison to this person and that person. The lies about what people said about me that you'll never amount to much, you're useless, you're skinny, you're ugly, you're stupid. Look at their life, they've got it sussed, you haven't. That's comparison. Ross, you don't even have a job, you're pathetic. All those things said to me by others or through my own thinking don't make me me unless I choose to let them. And sometimes I allow the word introvert to let me think I'm a coward. But it's God who lets us know who we are, not the world not other people, not our negative thoughts, and not what's happened to us in the past. And if you're feeling alone this morning, if, you, if you've listened to the lies throughout your life, if you've allowed life to lie to you, Jesus wants you to find him this morning. Jesus wants you to know that you are loved. Come to me. He's calling you to him. So again, I just want to pray, and then I'm just going to read out some truths from, about what the Bible says about you. So let's just pray. Father God, thank you that you're our rock, never changing, always the same. And Lord, I just pray this morning that whoever of us have come this morning with those lies in our thoughts, with those feelings of inadequacy, with those negative things that people have said about us in the past or done to us, Father God, I just pray that you would come and wash those things away. Just reveal to people who they really are and how you see them, not how other people see them, because it's about how you do, Lord, and it's not what other people say or do or think. Jesus, it's about you. Amen. So, yeah, these are some of the Bible verses from the Freedom in Christ course that we run as a church. And uh, I'm just going to read them because I I just feel it's important that when you're learning to know who you are in Christ, reading things like this, they really help me, and I use them daily Um, but this is what they say this is what Jesus says about you I am God's child I am Christ's friend I've been justified I am united with the Lord and I am one spirit with him I have been bought with a price I belong to God I I am a member of Christ's body I am a saint a holy one I've been adopted as God's child I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I am free from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with Christ in God. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. 
I can find grace and mercy to help me in time of need. I am born of God and the evil one who cannot touch me. I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I am a branch of the true vine, Jesus, a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am a personal, spirit-empowered witness of Christ. I am a temple of God. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am a fellow worker with God. I am seated with Christ in heavenly realms. I am God's workmanship created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ gives me I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Saying those you know scriptures to yourself every day, you start to believe the truth about who you really are and not what other people say you are. And it, I just I just feel that that is a real a, a real blessing that I've, I've experienced in my life when I, when I hear some of those poisonous accusations that I think about myself, let alone what other people think, and then I read that, and it just it changes how I think about myself and others. It's amazing. And now you might think I might be contradicting myself, but just hear me out. I know I'm an introvert. I love spending time with me. I love to think. I'm quiet most of the time. I love people. I love being alone with Jesus. I like to be in the background. And I find it really challenging to be sitting here on stage talking to you. My heart's pounding, but my mind is screaming. What are you doing, you introvert? Let the extroverts get back up here. But I don't like to disqualify myself. I don't like it when love for Jesus becomes dull in me. That same love that rescued me through my mother's prayers the same love that raised Jesus from the dead and that same love that took Jesus to the cross for you and me. I don't like it when I see Ross in the equation too much instead of the heart of the Lord. He has given me a love for people that blows my mind. And I ask most days, Jesus, help me to love and see people how you do. And he's taking me out and putting himself in. And we can always count on God's word, the Bible, to guide and protect us. We need to read it often to remind us what God thinks about us, as we've just heard, and who he says we are. Then the stranger's voice, those lies, won't sound so appealing. We must get used to hearing God's voice, the shepherd's voice. The better we know what he says, the less likely we would follow an imposter's voice and listen to the lies. And in John 10, it says this. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And just like you can't depend on someone else to eat your food for you, as I'm finding, I can't depend on Jez to feed me every Sunday. I need to read and feed myself too. Engaging with Jesus, my first love. And the more time we spend with Jesus, reading and praying and singing and walking and talking, the more we hear what he has to say and the more we have a passion for what he wants us to do. And I titled this talk, Jesus Would Go, so Jesus would go. He would love somebody. Jesus would say yes to the Father. Jesus wouldn't keep it all to himself. He would proclaim it, not because of a command, but because people are his passion. And in the Garden of Eden, the story from Genesis, the first book in the Bible, the first thing God told Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. 
And when Jesus came, Jesus often being referred to as the second Adam, he restored the commission. He gave it back to the church. Be fruitful and multiply. We are so blessed as Christians to have the Holy Spirit living in us. But sadly, a large amount of the worldwide church in this day and age are fruitful but don't multiply. We have settled for, I'll have all the fruit of God in my life. But the commission from the Father's heart perspective wasn't from the command to be fruitful. The commission God was saying, I have you, Adam, I have you, Eve, but I want more of you. I want to love you all. I care about every human being. I want more people to be close to me, to hold close to my chest. I want to reveal myself to more people. The Lord told Adam and Eve that. And Jesus did the same with the disciples. They all did. The disciples decided that this precious news they had was worth multiplying. Evangelism isn't something evangelists do. It's the DNA of God. God must be proclaimed. If you were God and you knew how good you were to humanity and what you had, you're their creator, you would proclaim yourself because you would know that being God, you're the, you are their only hope. God wanted Adam and Eve to gather more people to himself so he could love more. It wasn't because of a doctrine. And same in the New Testament when Jesus said, proclaim me, preach me. His disciples said, him we preach, him we proclaim. Now the disciples were all martyred, not because they all had good ideas. They weren't martyred because, they, because of their intimacy with Jesus. They were martyred because of their intimate they were intimate and they opened their mouth about their intimacy. They were killed, not because they praised God. They were killed because they told people. There's no threat to the enemy when all of this belongs to us, but we don't speak about it. The threat comes to the enemy when this begins to multiply. And the Lord loves people and he loves you very much. Sometimes a haze of familiarity comes around us because we enjoy the fruit and we enjoy life in him and they're all great things but we forget we become dull of heart towards people who matter to God fact did you know that some countries in Europe only have 1% of their population that claim to be Christians countries that were founded on Christianity and they even have a cross on their flags this is because of a lack of hunger and the need for Jesus people don't proclaim it. Someone said, that's an evangelist's job, not mine. And yeah, there is a calling for some to be evangelists, but God calls all to proclaim him. We must not put ourselves in a certain box just because of the way we think. If we do that, it causes us to dull down and shut down the person of Jesus in us. But we need to turn up the volume. Jesus said the Great Commission. He didn't say the Great Suggestion. And the call is on all of us to proclaim our dad, Jesus. And saying, I'm not an evangelist, I'll leave it to somebody else. It's like me coming to church on a Sunday morning and hearing John or Kevin or Sarah or Claire say, let's worship, let's, let's sing in song to Jesus. But we all stood there with our arms folded saying, no, I'm not a worship leader. I'm not going to worship God. I'm not part of the worship team. It's not my calling. The book of Acts was that all proclaim him because he was all to them. And you can't help talk about what you're passionate about. 
And when you say or think, I'm not bold, think about the times when you've spoken to people, even people you've just met, with a passion and a boldness about something you love, your garden, your cars, whatever it is, like I used to about football or my friend's wife used to about health products. Proclaim him. You know, we stand and sing with our arms out loud. You thought I wasn't going to sing. I'm no longer a slave to fear, except when God says, speak to my work colleague. Or when someone goes to a football match, like I used to, with my face painted in the team colors. And let's be honest, most football shirts are pretty grim. That's bold. You know, yelling and shouting, come on, and shouting other things that I wouldn't mention on the stage. They're full of passion, they're bold. But the devil has sold the church a lie that you need to apologize to the world about the good news you have inside you. You don't. Let's turn up the volume. People need to hear about Jesus. It isn't about a personality type. It's about a simple love for God and a simple love for people. I still get nervous. I still get the fear of man sometimes. But have you ever experienced this scenario? You're walking along. He's up. You're walking along and you see a person sitting on the bench over there. And you notice them. And as you notice them, you hear God just nudge you. Go and speak to them. But then you're like, what bench? I can't see anyone. Where? Where? Where, Lord? What? 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 You know, it's quite easily done. I've done it many times. But Jesus beckons us towards people. He doesn't ask us what our personality is. He doesn't ask me when I'm walking along the road and he pushes me to that person and then says, oh, no, you're an introvert. Don't worry about it. I'll get an extrovert to do it, Ross. It's okay. He doesn't ask what mood I'm in or he doesn't ask me and I'm like, actually, Lord, I'm quite tired today. Oh, don't worry, Ross. It's okay. Jesus doesn't ask stupid questions. He says, stop that person. Go over there and talk to him or her. Love them like I do. And I've prayed for people who didn't even believe in God and they were healed. My heart was pounding, my hands were sweating. Probably took about 20 minutes longer than I should have, but I got there. And as I walked away from every occasion, I was out with Luke a while ago and we spoke to this lady, about God and she said she didn't believe in God and you know there was that but as I walked away as I do every time I feel the same thing this is what it's all about this is it just telling someone Jesus loves you Jesus can use that in an amazing way and I heard this story a long time ago and it there was this guy who wanted to hear from God more and listen and, 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 and practice. So he went into the shopping center and he was like, God, give me a name for someone. I want to I speak to someone. I want to hear what you have to say to them. And after a while, he saw this man and he felt God say, go and say to him, his name's Jamie. So he walked up to him and he said, in boldness, is your name Jamie? And the guy said, no. And he was like, oh. And the guy said, why are you asking me why my name's Jamie? And he said, oh. I hear from God, I liked, I'm practicing hearing from God, I'm a Christian, and I, and I just felt that he told me your name was Jamie. And he said, no, it's not. But you said you hear from God. And the, and the guy was like, yeah, I do. And he said, oh, can I speak to you? And he said, yeah, of course you can. And he went away and they chatted, and over time, he, that man gave his life to Jesus. We might think, I failed. But God uses us when we step out in faith, regardless, because it isn't about us, it's about what Jesus does. We have to choose. It's a choice to love people more than fear them. 
One thing to remember, that the person you're going to speak to, you, you don't know who they are, but God does. He made them before the foundation of the world. He didn't make them before the foundation. He knew of them before the foundation. He made them. They're his. So praying daily, Lord, give me your eyes to see, your ears to hear, spiritual eyes, spiritual ears. God begins to allow us to see like that and hear like that. Jesus loves them just as he loves you. And the only reason you're sitting here is because someone was in, on their knees saying, save them. They paid the price. Someone decided to put aside the things of the world to spend time contending for you and for me. We need to stop reasoning Jesus out of our lives. When we get busy doing stuff and things, we reason Jesus out of our lives. Yeah, we love Jesus, but do we put him first? That's why Jesus said in the Bible, if you love me, obey me. He knew he had to tell us this. Even if you love me, choose also to obey me. He wanted us to just love, if he wanted us to just love him and keep it all to ourselves, he would have just said, love me. But he didn't. In John 14, he said, if you love me, obey me, be obedient, yield. He had to say that because we can easily be satisfied just with the fruit. We all love getting touched by God and God loves touching us. God doesn't say, I'm not going to touch you because you're not out on the streets telling people about me. God puts no guilt on his presence. God loves to minister to us. God isn't going to minister to you to shut down your heart for the very thing he died for. So let me ask you a question. If I had 10 million pounds on this stage and I said to you, I'll give it all to you if you give me your salvation, would you give it to me? 10, millions, 10 million pounds in cash? It's a lot, isn't it? Why wouldn't you give it to me? Because the most important thing to you, it is, it's that, your salvation. There's nothing more important than your relationship with God. Am I right? But I've got another question. If our salvation is that important to us, what about our unsaved brothers and sisters? If my salvation is so important to me, why am I not talking to my unsaved, unsaved next door neighbor? Why is it that my salvation is the only important thing to me? Jesus died for the world, for the salvation of all, everyone. What's stopping us? Well, I'm just going to share something with you that stopped me in the past. Fear. I cared about what others would think about me. My value comes from him, not from their opinions. Our value comes from Jesus. He's our righteousness, our bedrock. All that we are is a reflection of his yes to us on the cross. So that means... His, op his opinion is above all. He matters most. Which means we don't have the ability or the right to form any kind of doctrine around the way we are as a person and call that our personality. The core of the issue is we have misplaced our trust in what people think instead of what God thinks. So as I sit here now, I'm stepping out of fear and into obedience. My heart is pounding, not as much as it was at the beginning. But I know the truth of who God has called me to be. He hasn't called me to be Jez. He hasn't called me to be Billy Graham. He's called me to be Ross. And this is one of the ways God is helping me to get over the fear of man. And as you step out in the ways God is calling you to, you will see and feel God with you. <laughs> fear made me stupid. I would walk up to a stranger and say, have you got pain anywhere? And they'd say no. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And I'd walk off. And they would have been thinking, what a weirdo. What was that all about? Instead of going up to them and saying, have you got any pain anywhere? And they're like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. 
I just wanted to ask you, because I'm a Christian, I believe God heals. I prayed for people and he's healed, but just wanted to say Jesus loves you. They, they, may, they may still think I'm a weirdo, but they've just heard about Jesus and they'll go away thinking about him. And it isn't about what I say, it's just, it's that, it's that seed planted. Fear makes, fear makes us act weird, not like ourselves. If you're trying to become someone else or like someone else, if you're trying to be anything that reduces you from being fully who Jesus made you to be, if you're trying to become identical to someone you're not, then you are not true to who God created you to be. God made you you to be you. God put Jesus in you. He made you to share your story, not somebody else's. He gave you a mouth to proclaim him. Our love for him must be greater than our fear of people. And the more people we talk to about Jesus, the more people we pray for, the more we walk in our destiny, the more you will be amazed at how amazing God is. Fear blinds us from the truth. But when we share Jesus with people, Jesus does turn up. I realize my fear of people and, and their opinions. So God is dealing with me to break it in me. I was disqualifying myself from his gospel and the power of Jesus. It was way too much for about me. The gospel isn't about our ability. The gospel of salvation to save us has nothing to do with us. The way we share Jesus has nothing to do with us either. It's to do with a choice. When you choose to respond to the beckoning call of Jesus, you were saved. When you chose to respond to his call to people, others will be saved. Don't just settle for being fruitful. Multiply, fall in love with Jesus every day.